0: Good morning, my name is Dan David, you have supported me and my wife Paula now for about 10 years, thank you so much, I want to thank uh, Pastor Don and the global team for putting on this weekend, I'm here, uh, my wife is not here, she's in the Middle East, she was actually at our Middle East Regional Conference serving children of our workers overseas and your own Rick and Patsy Turner were there with her. They have seen her more recently than I have, but she's over in the Mediterranean somewhere among Muslims, and today I'm here with my 13-year-old son, Matthew, who gave me permission to introduce him, and I'm here with my colleague, Jean Atkison. Where are you, Jean? Uh, Maybe he'll be in the second service. So Jean and I work for Frontiers. We are regional mobilizers What does that mean? Frontiers is a sending organization. We send people All over the Muslim world in teams. We only go to the Muslim world To share the good news about Jesus with Muslims and my wife Paul and I were in Syria for almost 15 years in the Middle East, about 18 years. And so you all have had a part, a big part in global things that are taking place right now before our eyes, and I'll be saying more about that as we go. Well, I was all prepared this day for everything. I had my globe. I had my table uh, set up out there. I was prepared for everything. I was not prepared for worship. And I'm a hot mess up here because I've, I'm kind of melting from that worship experience. We are celebrating this weekend what we do in sending people to the nations so that they can experience some of them, their first experience of worship. That's why we do what we do. That's why Frontiers sends people to Muslims. That's why Paula and I went to the Muslim world to share Jesus. So I wanna ask you a question today and you can answer out loud if you feel inclined to do so. What is the most repeated command in scripture? I, w- I wish. No, it, uh, it is, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do you all know Isaiah 41, 10? It says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Jesus said, don't fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who can kill both soul and body in hell. That's what Jesus said. When you look out on the world and you see a lot of terror, you see ISIS, you see a horrible presidential election cycle, Jesus' words And the words of this book are, do not fear. And as we came in this morning, the the worship band and the choir were singing. This is what they sang. They sang, he's roaring with power. He's fighting our battles. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Why are we afraid? Why are we afraid? We have the king of kings who holds our hand. We have nothing to fear. That's what the Bible says, is we are not to be afraid. So, don't be afraid. That's my introduction. Are you ready for more? I want to share with you my life story. And I hope that as I share my life story, you will understand that I am a normal, average person. In fact, I'm thinking about writing a book, How to Excel at Being Average. What do you think? Anyway, I grew up, I'm, the, the, I'm a pastor's son, don't hold it against me. Somehow I became a believer anyway. And that happened when I was about eight years old, I walked the aisle. Do you know what that means? Do you know what an altar call is? At the end of the service, they would have you walk down the aisle and you would be making a public profession that you were going to follow Jesus and become his disciple. Well, I did that when I was eight years old. It got me so much attention, I did it for the next three weeks straight. (laughs) I didn't really understand what I was doing. To be honest, I don't remember anyone praying with me. I remember my dad was very happy, and I got baptized. I did understand that. I had to go to pastor's class. And then, uh, some of you are old enough to remember the Jesus movement. About 1970, I was 11 years old, and the Holy Spirit blew through my little Baptist church. And I, again, walked the aisle. I was crying at 11 years old, and I made a commitment to give 100% of my life to Jesus. And I was a different sixth grader the next day. I felt joy in my heart, I, I had peace. I was a different person. And my testimony today to you is if you are here without Jesus, he loves you and he can change your life and fill you with purpose and meaning and joy and peace and love and I invite you to him this morning. And if you don't know Jesus, a lot of what I'm gonna say in the next few minutes, you might not understand because when we follow Jesus, our life takes a different path and direction. So part of that path and direction for me was, being a pastor's son, I had to go to church every Sunday if I wanted to live very long. And about high school, I was figuring out you know, what uh, I don't like this word missionary or cross-cultural worker was. To me, it was someone who showed boring slideshows on Sunday night. And I didn't want to grow up, actually, a nerd who showed boring slideshows on Sunday night. And I didn't want to grow up to be a nerd. Thank goodness it's not Sunday night and I don't have slides today. (laughs) So... I thought I'd do something different with my life. Well, then I went off to a Christian college, and while I was there, they had these cross-cultural workers come through who were not nerds. They weren't boring speakers, and they challenged me. And I began to learn things like, you have countries that are still so unreached, like Libya is a very unreached country. It's in our news almost every day the last few years. And other places where there are unreached and unengaged people groups. An unengaged people group means that no one is there to tell them about Jesus. They can't have a worship experience. And so as I began to hear this, I couldn't believe it. After 2,000 years, how could that be? And it was at that point that I realized that I had a problem. And I wonder if any of you can relate to it this morning. My problem was I was committed to comfort. Can any of you relate to that? I didn't see myself going overseas, sleeping in a mud hut on a dirt floor and eating bugs. I couldn't relate to those songs like, where he leads me I will follow, what he feeds me I will swallow. <laughs> or, the, or the cross-cultural workers prayer, Lord I'll put it down if you'll keep it down not me and yet this morning I'm ashamed to admit that to you because the man who died for me did did not count comfort but he went all the way to the point of death because he loved me and because he loves the world and in light of what Christ has done for me earlier we had up on the screen 2nd Corinthians 5 the love of Christ controls us. And then it says, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. And I no longer want to live for myself, but I want to live for him who died and rose again on my behalf. And if I'm to do that, I have to know what his heart is. And the heart of God is he wants his glory to go out through all the earth that's what this book is about it's the story of his glory and so a very important quote I haven't found the original but it goes like this it's Dawson Trotman the founder of navigators he says don't do what others can or will do when there is so much that others cannot or will not do let me say that again Don't do what others can or will do when there is so much that others cannot or will not do. So I skipped part of my story. When I was growing up as that 11-year-old who experienced Jesus, I was a bad student my father, the Baptist minister, prophesied over me. And by the way, it's usually not a good thing when a Baptist pastor prophesies. And he, so I'd bring my report card home and he'd say, you're going to grow up to be a trash collector. And uh, don't worry, I've got inner healing for it. I've had inner healing, but uh, I had bad grades. And I talked really slow. And my friends and the the other students at school made fun of the way I talked. Well, uh, Paul and I were thinking, you know, according to God's word and according to what, uh, wanting to do what others couldn't do or wouldn't do, where should we go? And we headed to the Middle East. We served in the Middle East 18 years. Our three children were born over there. Matthew was born in Damascus, as was my 19-year-old daughter Eileen. Joseph, my 23-year-old, was born in Jordan. And living in Syria for 15 years, I became an English teacher. I even got a master's degree in it. Now, thinking of me, I want you to think, you know, this bad student who talks slow. My dad said of his five children, he never would have thought that I would have gone overseas and, and attempted to learn Arabic. There I was one day teaching English. I was a substitute teacher, and one of the students in the class raises his hands. This is how you do it in Syria. And he says, teacher, we're level 3A, you can talk faster. And I said, this is the way I talk. (laughs) God used a slow talker to be an English teacher. Then my wife, Paula, she came to Christ after her sister. She came to Christ in high school. And she was never planning on going overseas to share Jesus. And in fact, when she met me and she heard I was going in the Middle East, she said, I'll write you letters. (laughs) She did write me letters and that led to other things and we got married, but uh, Paula said she never wanted to do it. She went overseas. Her sister, who was saying, I'm going to become a missionary, never went. And what what I'm trying to get at through all of this is God uses ordinary people and I don't want you to walk out of here today thinking oh well Dan is different Dan is special I want you to walk out of here thinking what do I have in my hands that I can present to God and he can make it become bigger and bigger for his glory and we can all have a part in what he is doing around the world and what he's doing in Visalia, California, and our country. I want to share with you a scripture about prayer. It's found in John chapter 15. You don't need to turn there. You can just listen with me. It's Jesus speaking. And he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you that you love one another. Paul and I were in Syria for 15 years. And while we were in Syria, we wanted to see great fruit. We wanted to have a huge harvest, but instead God gave us a a Psalm 126 ministry of sowing in tears. It says, He who sows in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. He who goes to and forth weeping, carrying his bag of seed, will for sure come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. But year after year, Paul and I tried, and we had a team, we were team leaders, and we shared the gospel with, well, we tried with anything that moved if, if we were having good days, and sometimes it wasn't good days, and instead of being an ambassador of good news, I was yelling at a taxi driver because he was trying to cheat me out of the quarter. It's the truth. But for 15 years, my team came together. Uh, I'll hold that thought. My team came together, but one of those years, we had a a year of prayer, and we called it Shout for Joy Syria. And we made a prayer guide and we invited, we were hoping for 52 prayer teams to come that year. We think we got about 40 just to come for one week and pray throughout the country of Syria. We took turns fasting as the God's team. So people from frontiers, navigators, pioneers, um, operation mobilization, the whole, we called it God's team. We took turns fasting so that we covered every day of the year. I don't know who fasted on Thanksgiving. I think we gave it to a Canadian. And I don't know who fasted on Christmas, but I think we covered it. And we prayed that year. And we, we had no idea while, while we were producing this, and, and we wrote on the first day for the prayer request, it says, Pray that God will use gospel media materials available in local bookstores, book fairs, and cinemas to introduce Syrian peoples to Jesus. Pray for cinemas that there would be opportunities to introduce people to Jesus. We had no idea when we were writing this in 2003 that a man named Mel Gibson was putting the finishing touches on a movie called The Passion of the Christ and that it would show in downtown Damascus to pack theaters for a month. What I love about this is God was answering our prayers before we prayed them, as we prayed them, and he is answering those prayers into the future. God answers prayer. Do you believe that? God answers prayer. But for 15 years, we prayed every week. We had communion as a team. And we put aside a piece of bread and a cup, and we prayed for one Syrian family to come to Jesus. And after 15 years, we had not seen a whole family come to Christ. In fact, we hadn't, we'd only seen a few people make a decision to follow Jesus. And so we sowed in tears. And I don't wanna leave it there, harvest is coming I'll finish that story in a little bit but you we live in a different world when Paula and I were getting ready to go out in the late 80s the early 90s most Americans didn't know what a Muslim was it was a new thing we went out and there were some big events that happened right before Paula and I went out as a married couple there was the 1991 Gulf War then I don't know if you ever heard the, the word September 11th, 2001. That happened. And now, as you saw in the video, we have Muslims everywhere we go. You can see them in malls. You can meet them at their Islamic center here in town in Visalia. And it is a different world. And as you saw the video, you might have been uncomfortable. And I was going to give you the answer. And I was going to talk about how, you know, it's uncomfortable that this church actually let them use the facility for, for Islamic prayer. And I was going to say, well, Stephen in his sermon in Acts chapter says, 7 says, God doesn't dwell in man-made houses. I was going to tell you about Jesus and the woman at the will where he says to her believe me an hour hours coming when it doesn't matter about Jerusalem, this mountain, what matters is worshiping God in spirit and in truth. But I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to leave you with is how can we love our Muslim neighbors? In the story of the Good Samaritan. The religious person wanted to justify himself and so he said who is my neighbor and I believe that if Jesus were speaking to us today he would say your neighbor is your Islamic Muslim person. You know the ends of the earth are now at the end of your block. The nations are now coming to our neighborhoods and this again what did I begin with do not fear this is an opportunity for us to love and share the good news well I I don't want to end there I want you to end with what I want you to go out of here knowing what God is doing and in the history of us reaching out to the nations, we've done very well with tribal groups. We've done well in Latin America. We've done well in Africa, some parts of Asia. But the, the groups of Buddhism, Hinduism, and Islam, we have not seen the breakthroughs we want to until today. Do you know that more Muslims have are have come into the kingdom of God in the last 10 years, then in the 1400 years, until then, we are seeing harvest. Muslims are coming to Christ from the west of Africa all the way to Indonesia. We are seeing harvest. And one of the ways we're seeing this is through disciple making movements. We used to call it church planning, but a very key feature of this is discovery Bible studies. So in a discovery Bible study, we take the word of God. We take a passage. Everyone puts it in their own words. And these are happening throughout the globe now and where there are unreached and unengaged people. And we get them to present the the story from the Bible, and then everyone in the circle goes around, gives the story, and then they say, what do we learn about God from this? What do we learn about man from this? And here's the, the crucial point. What will I obey this week? And we do an I will statement. So one time, and then you have to also say who you share it with this week. And when you come back the next week, You have to share what you did with your eyewall statement and who you shared it with. But we were doing this with people, Muslims in India, and a man is right at the beginning of the Bible, creation of Christ, he's in creation, and he sees that God made Eve, God made woman as a good thing for him, and he's, what should I obey? He says, today I'm going to go home and make tea for my wife. He went home and made tea tea for his wife. She almost died of a heart attack that her Muslim husband would make her tea and she was whatever you're learning in this study keep going. And this is radical because we are knowledge based disciples but God wants all of us to be obedience based disciples who obey him because we love him. Now 15 years in Syria, we only saw a few people came come to Jesus. Then God brought my family home at the end of 2008. There were some political things going on and we had to make a decision. We felt as the Syrian government seemed to be showing us the door, we thought that it was time for us to leave. Again, we left with more tears And then in the year 2011, the Arab Spring began and civil war broke out into Syria. And I do a Skype prayer meeting on Friday mornings and we pray usually for an hour and we've been praying into Syria. And we prayed and God is working. And in 2013, my friend, who's in the Middle East, who was on my team, he called me, said, Dan, this week three families came to Christ. A few weeks later, he said, Dan, this week two families have come to Christ. Then in the summer, he wrote me an email, Dan, 24, got baptized. Just two days ago, Paula was with a a Syrian family who were baptized in the Mediterranean Sea. They are following Jesus. Paula got to have a visit with them. And we are seeing, again, more Syrians are coming into the kingdom of God than ever before. Now, we prayed, but we did not ask for the horror. We did not ask for the destruction That's not what we want, but God is moving and God is working. Now, I'm going to close this up, but in your bulletin, you have a response form. And I was just saying, we want obedience-based disciples. And I don't want you to go away thinking that was a nice talk, but I would like you to go away and make an application Of what you will do and you know God leads different people in different ways one of the applications you could make today is to go out to the tents and the tables and talk to people and you might think well I don't really want anything from those people maybe you could pray for them or encourage them and you might be surprised that they might have something for you God might have something for you so please do that and you are going to be welcomed into eternal homes what do I mean by that in Luke chapter 16 verse 9 Jesus says make friends with ungodly or unrighteous wealth that when it fails they may receive you into eternal dwellings And because you have supported these workers out there, and you've supported me and my wife, Paula, one day you will enter into eternity and people you don't know will be welcoming you. And we have a task to do. And as Pastor was saying, we have beautiful feet. We have one of the most awesome tasks ever. And that task is to... Bring the feast that Jesus has made for us of his broken body, bring it to the nations, bring it to our Muslim friends here in Visalia. Our task is to bring this feast that he has bought with his blood and to fill many, many cups. With many, many families coming to join us in the feast of the Lamb that was slain, who has risen from the dead. Will you bring this feast to Visalia and the nation? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that. We're just average, normal people that you can use. And Lord, we ask you today, use us. Use us in Visalia. Use us to the ends of the earth. Glorify your name in all the earth. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.